Uh, this is Pastor Rob Barber of Bethel Church in Tempers Plains, Ohio, where our mission is connecting people to God. Welcome to our podcast. I'm very excited to share the Word of God with you today, because according to Romans 10:17, faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. I trust this message will increase your faith as you listen to what God has for you today. God bless and enjoy. Hallelujah. You know, sometimes I just don't, I'm not sure which direction to go. Ah, this one, I, I want to hear from God, you know. This, it cannot be our agenda. It has to be God. If we're going to pull down the strongholds and tear down the walls that the enemies build up in people's lives, we just cannot do church as usual. We are the church. And the church has to be different. There has to be power in the things that we do. There has to be healings. Listen, the world's not going to take notice of anything that we do unless we move supernaturally. That's what the signs and wonders are all about. It's not to make us feel good. It's to confirm the gospel message that we preach. Jesus, Savior of the world. Jesus, putting our faith and our trust in Jesus Christ. That He came to earth, that He died on the cross, that He came back to life. That's our message. It's a very simple message. But it's a powerful message. And when we walk in the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives, then I believe we can begin to start seeing some of these things that should take place in the church and outside of the church. And maybe that's part of it. We, it needs to be taking place more out there than in here. Hallelujah. I just pray that God gives us the boldness that we need to be witnesses for Him wherever we go. Amen? <clears throat> Listen, I, I, I got something I need to share with you this morning. And before we go too far, um, of course, next year is an election cycle that we will be doing some voting next month, of course. But major uh, election will take place next year. And uh, we have a brother in Christ, Doug Stewart. How many know Doug Stewart? Doug used to attend here. Um, I believe he is uh, attending with Leland Close now. Leland started a church in Belpre. Praise God. They both attended here. Good brothers. We love them. But Doug feels that God has called him to run for a Senate seat in uh, 2024. So I'm going to ask you to pray for him, but I've also, he needs, in order to be on the ballot, uh, he has to have a thousand signatures. So he has asked me if he could come and be in the lobby after church. Anybody who wants to is not a mandate for anybody. Uh, we just want to see him on the, the ballot, a believer in Jesus Christ. So... Uh, He's going to give us the opportunity to, to sign his 
I, it's not really a petition, but it's, it's something that's necessary for anybody who is uh, running for, for office. So next week, he's going to be here, and that's going to be made available to anybody who wants to help out. Don't forget tonight, I, I just I, I want to emphasize this service this, this evening. We're not going to do anything um, real special. We're just going to have prayer time. We're going to have uh, canned music playing in the background, uh, worship. But I, I really believe that something supernatural is going to take place here, just like it has this morning. People's lives have been, been touched already. But there's going to be a continuation of, of the things that's, that's happening. You know, over the years, and I'm going to be talking this morning just a little bit. Um, I'll check the time. I don't want to go too long. Um, but we've already had a lot happen this morning. But over the years, for, for 28 years now, we've been praying for revival. Uh, at times, we've had specific prayer times set aside, and we've come together and prayed, and they've been awesome times. And then we, you know, we stop that, and just every we, I would encourage everyone to continue praying because we want to see revival in the church, and revival begins in us, in each and every one of us. It has to be a personal thing. Without a personal revival, there will be no church revival. So revival, when you talk about revival, revival takes place in believers. It's a group of people who have already received Jesus Christ as our personal Savior. But from time to time, we get weary and we wane in our relationship with the Lord. And we need the Lord to revive us. So we call out to Him. For revival. I believe that's what he's doing in us. We're being revived. That's an important part of what God wants to do, but God wants to do something even greater than that. He not only wants to revive his church, which is, is good, but he wants to awaken, awaken our community. He wants people to have an awareness of who he is and of his power. And that will begin when the church begins to operate in the supernatural gifts of the Holy Spirit. So this morning, I'm just going to kind of dive into this. This probably won't be real long, so if you guys, Ivy, if you want to take a seat over there, you want to hang around. Hallelujah. We've been talking about that the kingdom of heaven is near. It's not only near, it's here. We believe that. Because we are vessels of the Holy Spirit. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. That's what Corinthians tells us, 3.16, 1 Corinthians 3.16. And the power of God lives inside of us. I can't, I can't tell you how awesome that is for us we need to comprehend that reality that God is in us there's a power in us that the world doesn't have 
they need. But it's in us. And because it is in us, there are certain things that can take place in our lives. We can have renewal. We can have revival. We can walk in the power of God. But I believe that it takes a tenacity from the, the, the body of Christ to press in. You see, that's what prayer is. Prayer is pressing in, trying to get closer to God. Will we ever get any closer to God? No. But we can get stuff out of our life that will cause us to be able to hear His voice much clearer. We'll have a clarity in our spiritual life that we never had before. And believe it or not, there are levels of spirituality. We, we go from glory to glory in the Lord. We move up sometimes spiritually as we seek Him. And then that doesn't mean that, that, uh, that we honor somebody more who seems to walk in certain gifts than we do others. No, that's not what I'm trying to say. But I do believe personally we have times where we just move up. And it's supernatural. My daughter has experienced that. Amen. I have experienced that in my life throughout my spiritual walk with the Lord. And we have to, you know, it gets to the point where we have to desire that more than anything else. More than food, more than water, more than breath. We have to desire it and press into it and ask God for it. He honors that because that's what His Word says. That he, You know what He told us? He said, during the time of the latter rain, pray for the rain. What does that mean? What is He talking about? Well, listen, I'll tell you what I believe He's talking about. I believe that we're living in the time of the latter rain. But in order for us to experience the things that we need to experience, we have to pray that God send the rain on us. Have you ever been out in, outside and it's raining 10 feet from you and not raining on you? The rain's all around us. I want to get wet. I don't only, not only want to get wet, I want to get drenched in the Spirit. My grandchildren were out jumping on the trampoline last night in the rain. <laughs> and they, they were just having a ball. And they, when they came back, came up, up on the porch, they, they were drenched. But they were excited and they were having fun. Let me tell you something. When the rain begins to pour in this place, we will not be able to contain the excitement that stirs in our spirit. God has promised us life and life more abundant. I want you to see this. I believe I've got that scripture, John 10.10. 10. Yeah, praise God. 
Our media team's incredible, aren't they? Okay. Amen. Thank you. I try to get an outline together, but so often I, I don't have all my ducks in a row. I wish I was more like my wife. But I'm not. So on Sunday mornings, I come in here and I say, you know, I've got some scripture I want to add. And then they just smile and say, okay, we'll do it. <laughs> They're so gracious to their pastor. John 10.10, 10, the thief does not come except to steal and to kill and destroy. That's what the thief's done. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He came, he, he came here in this world to kill mankind, to destroy mankind, to steal from us. And he's been doing a pretty good job of it. Jesus said that he came to destroy the works of the devil. Isn't that incredible? The enemy wants to destroy you, but Jesus came to destroy what he's doing to you. That's why I believe that we need to see the power of God. We need to see deliverance. We need to see healings. We need these things to take place. Oh, God, pour out your spirit. Move in a miraculous way. Right now, in the name of Jesus Christ, I believe Susie's watching us probably. Father, in Jesus' name, touch her body. And heal her completely from the top of her head to the soles of her feet. Father, let it be so in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. I don't believe we have to be present for that to happen. Remember. Remember the centurion that came to Jesus and he said he has a, a sick servant. <laughs> and... And Jesus said, I'll come with you. And he said, it's not necessary, Jesus. I know I'm a man under authority and a man who has authority. And when my superiors tell me to do something, I do it. But when I tell my people to do something, they do it. Therefore, you don't have to come. All you have to do is speak the word. That is faith that we many times struggle with and I'm not condemning anyone I just know that we have to grow in our faith we have to build our faith we our faith is increased by hearing the word of God that's right that's why it's so important that we read the word that we study the word that we hear the word that's why we, it's so important that we hear testimonies like we heard this morning that's the reason we we need to hear testimonies like Pastor Otis is going to give right now about his healing. <laughs> he didn't know I was going to do this. put me on spot. You know, Thursday night I went to uh, Grace Christian Center to do some worship. I used to be a worship leader there. And uh, they were having some special services. They've been doing a little rotation. But I'm at the keyboard, and at the end of the service, this man came up and said, somebody needs healed needs their kidneys or have issues with their kidneys and need them healed. And this one lady started walking up there and I'm thinking, my goodness, you, you all might not know this, but since 2013, um, 
Now, I'm going to tell you, even as I try to tell you this testimony, I never claim what the doctors say about me. So it's hard for me to say I have. But I've been diagnosed with having kidney failure since 2013. And as time has gone on, different things have shifted and it's uh, tried to progress. Um, so the doctors say, but I believe they're solely look, looking at numbers. Anyway, I don't want to get too long in this. As I was there, and I raised my hand because, okay, look, God, if you, is this opportunity to be healed? I raised my hand, and the man didn't see me. So I had to tell the pastor's wife, who was sitting on the front row, I said, listen, I'm in that line. Sometimes when you're in the, a musician, you stay on post, but you want to be in that prayer line. I said, I'm in that line. And so she went and got him and told him, and he came over to me. And just gently, with such a gentle touch, put his hand on my back and just prayed for me. And I believed God was doing something. And so I appreciated it. I, I thanked him. I praised God for it. And then I left. Um, the last two years, anybody who knows me knows normally I'm hot. Temperature-wise, I'm hot. And over the last two years, that has shifted. You come in my house, I like to keep it warmer Okay, usually it would be real cold. And so I'm telling you this because I can tell something different. Okay? Um, and so where things before I would have been so cold and people would say, man, you need to check your uh, circulation or something's going on in your body. Over the last two years, they've been telling me that and it's so odd. Well, now, since that prayer, I'm running hot. I'm running hot again. I'm not getting cold chills. My medication's not messing with me as it had before. And I'm sitting there praising God and just shouting and, and singing. I'm telling you, I am healed. Hallelujah. I am healed in the name of Jesus. Now, we'll be honest. I told pastor in the back, I said, and I was really planning. I didn't know if I was going to share this with the whole congregation. I just was sharing it in the back because we've been praying for Susie. And I felt a little guilty that. I've been healed, and I was kind of hesitant as far as if I share that testimony when here I've been believing for this sister to get healed, and pastor said, it may be just what she needs to hear, and so he put me on the spot, but I believe I'm healed, and I'm going to go to the doctor and get, uh, get that confirmed as well. Hallelujah. Glory. Yes, I, I did put him on the spot, but he's a man of... In season and out of season. <laughs> he is ready. Thank you, brother. Praise God. You know, the thief came to steal, kill, and destroy Pastor Otis. As he has all of us. But Jesus came that we might have a life and have it more abundantly. What does a more abundant life look like? Well... The Greek word parasos means superabundant in quantity and superior in quality. More, you know, abundant quality and superior quality. Hallelujah. That is awesome. To know that that's what Jesus said to us. He said, I'm going to give you a super abundant life that's superior to anything you ever had before. What is, you know, 
I believe that means spiritually, yeah, absolutely, but I also believe it means physically, emotionally, and every aspect of our being. Super abundant, superior in every way. Well, we, we were taught, we've, we recognize that we're in the kingdom, we are part of the kingdom, the kingdom is here, and what we're doing is kingdom work. So, uh, God gave us the kingdom, and He gave us uh, the ability to walk as kingdom representatives, as ambassadors for Christ. The second thing, that, the point that I wanted to make is that God gave us the power to represent the kingdom. Not just the ability to represent the kingdom in our lifestyle, which is very important. You, listen, I, I, you know, I already talked about this extensively, but I'm very concerned about people who claim to love the Lord Jesus Christ and then live their life so close to what the world is doing. Having the same kind of lifestyle and participating in the same kind of things. Because I believe that Jesus made it pretty clear that we cannot practice sin. Yes, we are sinners and yes, we're going to sin. But we should not be practicing sin as believers in Jesus Christ. And I, I talked about that last week, so I'm going to let that go. Ambassadors, as ambassadors, we have the power and the privilege to represent the kingdom of God. And that power means that there are certain things that we should be able to do and walk in. In Matthew chapter 16, verse 19, Jesus said, And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Binding and loosing is very important in the kingdom of God. In other words, according to, to this scripture, whatever we take hold of and, and proclaim is bound on earth, God sees to it from heaven that it's going to be bound. If we loose it, God sees to it that it will be loosed from heaven. That's power, that's authority that we have. Because, not because of who we are, but who Jesus Christ is, and we represent His kingdom. He's the king. And we're sons and daughters of the king. Matthew 28, 18 and 19, it says this, And Jesus came and spake to them, saying, All power is given to me in heaven and earth. Go you therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Once again, Jesus delegated his authority. You cannot get anything out of this except what it says. I have authority. I'm giving you my authority. Go and use it in the earth. Mark 16, 
15 through 18 says this, And he said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they shall cast out demons. They shall speak with new tongues. They will raise, they will take up serpents, and if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. It will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. We're not seeing that in the body of Christ. Not like we should. We see pockets of it here and there. We see things that are happening over there and over here. And we see, at times, I think, uh, we see supernatural things, just like what happened with Pastor Otis. But consistently, we're not seeing what Jesus told us we should be able to see. So I, I do believe that one of the things that we need to be more consistent about is our prayer lives. I'm guilty. I, I need to be more consistent with my prayer life. Mornings I, I pray, but there are times that other things get in the way. Busyness. There is nothing more important than our prayer life. Absolutely nothing. We derive power from our direct communication and connection with the Heavenly Father. With our Heavenly Father. And if we want to see these things take place, we've got to get more serious about prayer. About prayer time, corporate prayer time. About individual prayer time. I don't completely understand all that God does or is doing, but I believe His Word and I stand on it. I believe this for sure. The cessationists are wrong. The power to perform miracles and healing did not pass away with the apostles. Did not pass away with the canonization of the Scripture. It is still here today. And it's meant for God's people. And it's meant to be miraculous signs and wonders to confirm the gospel message. And it can be manifest in the earth through every one of you sitting out there in this congregation. Along with me and Otis up here. All of us. So real quickly... I'm going, to, I'm going to ask you to turn to Acts chapter 1, verse 12 through 14. Acts chapter 12. I'm sorry, did I say 12? I meant Acts chapter 1, verse 12 through 14. We're going to, I'm going to pick this up next week and we'll continue with the, this message. But this is the first part that I believe is necessary for us to see revival. Then they returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey. This is right after Jesus ascended into heaven. 
And when they had entered, they went up into the upper room where they were staying, Peter, James, John, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus, and Simon the Zealot, and Judas, the son of James. These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary and the mother of Jesus and with his brothers. They went to an upper room because Jesus told them to go and tarry. And they went there performing a task, a very important task, prayer. They were praying and believing that Jesus was going to do what he told them he would do, and that was pour out the Spirit. Every major revival, beginning with this one, because this was a revival, we know that just a few days later, the Spirit of God was poured out on the church. 3,000 souls were saved, and many miraculous signs took place thereafter. The power of God was released because God's people were filled with the Spirit of God. We don't have to pray that God send His Spirit down. It's already here. We've already received it. Many of us do need to ask for a baptism of the Holy Spirit, which the purpose of that baptism is to give us power to be witnesses for Jesus Christ. Doesn't mean you get any more of the Spirit. It means you give the Spirit more of you. That's what I believe. And when you cry out for that, God hears it because Jesus Himself said, how much more will your heavenly Father give you the Spirit if you ask? He was preparing us to ask for it so that we could receive it. So, one of the things that we must do is press in in prayer time. Press in and trust our God. Every great revival has been spearheaded has a good foundation of prayer. I'm sort of a student of, re, of world revivals. Now, I haven't studied all of them, and there's been a lot of them down through the centuries. But I do like to study revivals because I want to see what did these people do that caused this to happen? Was it just a sovereign move of God? Or did they do something that caused the Spirit of God to be welcomed in their midst. And I believe they did. Yes, I believe I'm not a Calvinist. I want you all to know that. I don't believe that God's just a, a sovereignly moves in our lives and there's nothing we can do about it. Nor am I a staunch Armenian who believes that it's all depending on us. I believe there's got to be a balance there of recognizing that there is a sovereign move of God from time to time and in our individual lives. But in order for Him to move many times, it takes an action on our part to move into what He has called us to. And that's what I'm talking about this morning. I'm talking about pressing in to the presence of God. To see Him moving in an incredible and unusual way. And that's what we just read. The outpouring of the Holy Spirit. They went, they prepared themselves, and then the sovereign move of God. 
took place? What would have happened if they would have disobeyed? If they'd have just went home and said, well, Jesus is gone. Nothing we can do now. God, if you want to, if you want to pour out your spirit, just go ahead. But we're going home. Some of them went home, went to bed. Some of them went home, went to work. And they just forgot about God. What would have happened? I don't think anything would have happened. However, God would have probably found somebody that would have listened to him. They had to be obedient to Jesus. And Jesus had taught them obedience down through his ministry. And so when he said go and tarry, they knew that they had to go tarry. They went to that upper room and they tarried. And the power of God was poured out on that place. It was poured out on them first and then it was poured out on hundreds of others. Revival, or prayer I should say, precipitates revival. In 1727, the Moravian Revival started. Moravians were a group of people who truly loved God. They were being protected by uh, a nobleman. And they were living in a, uh, on his property where they were protected. Uh, because the known church at that time was trying to kill them. Because... They believed what the Word of God said. They didn't believe that they had to be saved through the church. They believed they could be saved by faith in Jesus Christ. But something happened to them. Once they got in that place where they were safe, they started arguing and bickering with one another. And somewhere along the line, somebody said, wait a minute, this is not the way it's supposed to be. So they began to get, to establish some prayer times. And they started praying. They humbled themselves before God. And they began to pray, and they apologized to one another. And the Spirit of God began to move upon them. And supernatural signs and wonders took place. That revival lasted for a hundred years. And through that revival, the greatest missionary movement on the face of the earth took place. They no longer stayed in the comfort of the land that they were in. They went all over the world and they were persecuted doing so. But they shared the gospel of Jesus Christ with power and authority. And it happened because they got serious about serving God and seeking His face. First great awakening. I'm just going to touch on a few of these. John Wesley was deeply affected by the Moravian prayer meetings, and he began to establish some of their principles. He and George Whitefield, Jonathan Edwards, they all began to pray, and they called people to pray, and groups of people began praying. And when they started praying, things started happening. Things were happening in our, in our nation at that time, um, in, our, in the world, actually. There, there was a, a move of atheism that was sweeping the world. But John Wesley, George Whitefield, Jonathan Edwards, they all began to pray. They called people to prayer. And the first great awakening took place. 
and it swept across not only our nation, but it swept uh, Great Britain and other parts of the world. In January of 1795, the concert of prayer was started with denomination after denomination devoting a month, a, a day a month to prayer. One Monday a month. So one Monday a month, corporately, denominations and churches got on board and they started praying and asking God to move. It was important because the moral uh, decay, political decay of the nation was horrible. We can, rec we can identify with that today, can't we? Many locations, after they started praying, started seeing some things happening. The, great, the Second Great Awakening started with a series of revivals that lasted for 50 years. It really was the, the, the groundwork that was laid for many evangelical churches uh, continuing to have revivals. I don't know if you, any of you grew up in a church where you had a revival every, every year. It wasn't really a revival. It was just a special services, not in the sense of a, a real revival. But it, the purpose was to stir people's hearts so that we, you know, we have that move of God once again. And nothing wrong with it. I'm not opposed to it. I'm just, just saying that that's where that all came from. In 1857, America went through its worst depression until the Great Depression in the 20th century. Many Americans were without work, and once again, the nation fell into moral decay. Terrible things were happening. A man by the name of Jeremiah Lampier was a lay missionary who worked for the North Dutch Reformed Church. And in September of 1857, Lampier invited businessmen all over New York to the North Dutch Reformed Church and began to pray. A few came. Next week, a few more came. The week after that, a few more came. They all prayed for one hour, just one hour. But during that time, it was on a Wednesday, they did nothing but pray and seek the face of God. The lunch prayer meeting that they started was so successful by January of 1858, similar prayer meetings were being held at churches all over New York City. Not only were they being held, businesses were shutting down at noon to go pray. They, really, they knew where their source was. You know, that's not a good time to be shutting down your business at noon. They shut their business down, they went, they prayed. And they believed that God was going to move in a mighty way. And He began to move. Thousands of people began to receive the Lord Jesus Christ. New York prayer meetings inspired similar meetings that took place in Philadelphia, Cincinnati, Ohio, Charleston, South Carolina, and other large cities throughout the United States. Around a million Americans by the end of 1858 a million Americans had been converted and touched by the businessmen's 
revival. Then came Azusa Street. How many know about Azusa Street? Hope you do. Azusa Street was the beginning of the Pentecostal movement, which eventually became the charismatic movement as well, morphed into that. But on the night of April 9th, 1906 in Los Angeles, California, William Seymour, who had been seeking the baptism of the Holy Spirit, this was a new thing. People didn't, wasn't really uh, uh, into the baptism of the Holy Spirit and hearing people speak in tongues and uh, all those gifts of the Spirit. And when somebody operated in things like that, they were ridiculed, not only by society, but by the organized church. So William Seymour and seven men had begun praying, and they were waiting on God. And as they were praying on Bonnie Bray Street in Los Angeles, which was eventually moved to Azusa Street, as they prayed regularly, they came together that night, and as they were praying, suddenly, what seemed like a bolt of lightning caused several of them to be knocked off their chairs, and they fell to the ground. The rest of the men who were not knocked off the ground began to speak in tongues. A very new occurrence in the body of Christ at that time. Not new, really, but a renewed occurrence because it happened all the time in the first century and early on in the body of Christ. Revival took place at that time. It took place in New York, but it took place from that vantage point. God sent spirit-filled believers all over the world. Today, that revival is considered by historians to be the, the primary catalyst for the spread of Pentecostal beliefs throughout the whole world. Here's an interesting thing. The word revival is derived from two Latin words. Re, which means again, and vivo, which means to live. So it literally means to live again. Hallelujah. And that's what we need. New life. I believe Christ gives us new life when we accept Him. But from time to time, we need to live again. Hebrides Revival, 1949-1952. In 1949, off the coast of Scotland, the Hebrides Islands, with two sisters, elderly women, 82 and 84 years old. They were confined to their house, but they were praying and they were asking God to move in a mighty way. They weren't able to go to church, but they prayed. And one night they were praying and one of the sisters saw a vision. The church was crowded with young people. And there hadn't been a young person in any of the churches on that island for, for years. Most of the young people were partying, going to dances, having a good time. The church had nothing to offer them. The same thing is happening today. The church has nothing to offer our young people. Because we're not moving 
in the power of God. I'm not, listen, I, I hope I'm not sounding like I'm condescending to, to any of you or condemning. I, I'm speaking to myself as much as anyone. I want to see the power of God. I want to see our young people on fire with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Dancing and speaking in tongues and speaking words of wisdom and knowledge and impartations. But I believe it's going to start with us before it infiltrates them. As they prayed, they sent word to the local pastor. The pastor listened to what they had to say and he believed that the ladies had a vision from God. And he began to gather people together and they started, went to a barn and they started praying. They went there and prayed for two nights, waiting, two nights a week, I'm sorry, waiting on God in prayer. One night as they were praying, a young de deacon rose and began reading from Psalms 24. Who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord? Or who shall stand in His holy place? He that hath clean hands and a pure heart, who hath not lifted up his soul unto vanity, nor sworn deceitfully, he shall receive the blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of salvation. Then he lifted up his hands toward heaven and he began to pray. He prayed this, O God, are my hands clean? Is my heart pure? Then he went to his knees and he fell into a trance. And he stayed there for several hours. At that moment, there was a power loosed that shook the heavens. And everyone in that place knew that the move of God had started. Not long after that, God began to move in a mighty way in the churches. Repentance came to the churches. The altars were filled. God began to move in their hearts. Here's an excerpt from Duncan Campbell's testimony. And Duncan Campbell was the man who came there as, a, as a, an evangelist to preach in the churches. Although there was an awareness of God and a spirit of conviction at the initial meeting, the real breakthrough came a few days later on Sunday night in the parish church. The church was full. The Spirit of God was moving in such a way that I couldn't preach. I stood still and gazed upon the wonders, move, wondrous moving of God. Just prior to that, as they were repenting and praying and the churches were repenting, that night, as they were getting ready to go home, there was a group of young people who had been at a dance, several uh, I forget how many exactly, but several dozen of young people who had been at a dance, and suddenly the Spirit, this is the sovereignty of God when men get involved with crying out to God. Suddenly, they were at this dance, and the Spirit of God fell upon them. They wasn't thinking about anything godly, but suddenly the Spirit of God fell upon them and they all knew that they needed to hear the Word of God. They showed up to the church just as they were about to, to dismiss. They opened the doors and those young people came in and received Christ as their Savior. God does move sovereignly. Men and women 
Well, let me pick up where I left off here. The church was full. The Spirit of God was moving in such a way that I couldn't preach. I just stood still and gazed on the wondrous move of God. Men and women were crying out to God for mercy all over the church. There was no appeal made whatsoever. He, he didn't preach at all. He didn't share the gospel. Uh, trying to figure out here. There was no appeal made whatsoever. After meeting for over three hours, I pronounced the benediction. How many are ready to meet for three hours? Okay, I, we've got two people. I think it's going to take more, three. Listen, I'm not looking forward to that. I want you to know that. But if it happens, we won't even recognize how much time has gone by. And I, I know that from the experience that other people have had. Time just goes like that because you're in the presence of God. After meeting for over three hours, I pronounced the benediction and told the people to go home. But mentioned that anyone who wanted to continue the meeting could come back later. A young deacon came to me and said, Mr. Campbell, God is hovering over us. About that time, the clerk of the session asked me to come to the back door. There was a crowd of at least 600 people gathered in the yard outside the church. Someone gave out Psalms 102, and the crowd streamed back into the church, which could no longer hold the number of people. A young school teacher came down from front crying out, Oh God, is there nothing left for me? She is a missionary in Nigeria today. There was a busload of people coming to the meeting from 60 miles away. The power of God came into the bus so that some could not even enter the church when the bus arrived. People were swooning all over the church. We call that slain in the spirit these days. I want you to know that. I know there's people opposed to it. They say it's not of God. It's make-believe. But listen, it's been happening for centuries. We just need to get out of the way. I refuse to push anybody down. I refuse to fall down if somebody tries to push me down. But if the Spirit of God moves on me, I'm ready to go down. I want you to know that. People were swooning all over the church. And I cannot remember one single person, person who was moved on by God that night who was not gloriously born again. When I went out of the church at 4 o'clock in the morning, there was a great number of people praying alongside the road. In addition to the school teacher, several of those born again that night are in foreign missions. And they're working at, his, at the time that he wrote this. They were working in foreign missions at that time. His account, it goes a little deeper when you, you uh, <clears throat> listen to his testimony. But he said that those people that were laying along the road, they were crying out to God. They were so overcome by the Spirit of God on their way to the church that they fell along the side of the road and they couldn't move. They, still, they fell under the power of God. Now listen, I know some people question, is this real? Did that really happen? There's testimony after testimony after testimony of the power of God taking place in the Hebrides Islands. 
And it was so, it was recent enough for us, 1949 to 1952, I believe it was. Recent enough for us to recognize that their account was not made up. It really happened. The last thing I'm going to share with you, and then I'm going to dismiss. I know I've kept you a long time this morning, but I, I really want you to see that revival can take place here in this place. On June 18th, 1995, Father's Day, Evangelist Steve Hill was a guest speaker at John Kilpatrick's Brownsville Assembly. John Kilpatrick, his own testimony. <laughs> it's funny when you hear him talk about it. Because he said that morning, he really didn't even want to go to church. He said... He said, you know, I'd just been struggling. I lost my mom just a, a few weeks before, and I'd just been struggling. I was a little depressed, and I didn't even want to be at church. So I almost called in that morning and said, had told the, his uh, person that he contacts, told him, uh, you know, I'm just struggling with the death of my mom. I'm not coming in today. Steve knows what to do. He'll, he'll take care of everything. But he remembered that he has a pre had a presentation that he had to give. So he got his clothes on reluctantly, got dressed up, and went to church. While he was there, they sang a few songs. They worshiped God. Steve got up and gave a message. He said Steve's message was nothing tremendous. It was just a simple salvation message. And at the end of it, Steve said... To everybody, okay, if you'd like to have prayer, come forward. John said about a thousand people came forward. He said, I thought to myself, Steve, what are you doing? This is Father's Day. I want to go home. Let these people go home and spend time with their fathers. But he said he smiled and acted like he, was, he went up and helped Steve pray. And as they were praying, Suddenly, the thing that they had been praying for, he had been praying for, for over two years, he and his congregation. They had been praying. They had organized prayer groups. He would come in uh, on, in the wee early hours of the morning, four and five o'clock in the morning, and pray and call, cry out to God, God, send revival. And on that day that he didn't even want to be there, This is a lesson for me and for you. You know, we come even if we don't want to be here. We never know what might happen. That was the day that God's poured out His Spirit. And the, wow, the Browns revi Brownsville revival started on that day. And John Kilpatrick was knocked down with the Spirit of God. He couldn't get up. God was teaching him a lesson, I guess. Steve Hill conducted the rest of the service. But from that moment on, thousands of people started coming to Brownsville from all over the world. That doesn't happen unless there's a move of God. And the power of God started moving. It wasn't just salvations and praise God for that. That is the most important thing. But 
healings took place. Deliverance took place. The power of God was released in that place. And people were touched with revival all over the world. For the next five years, the Holy Spirit did signs and wonders in that place. And it's estimated that 2.5 million people visited that church over that period of time. Why did they come there? People are hungry for the presence of God. And when God shows up, people will come. I'm done. And I know all of you are saying amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. Stand with me. Glory. I don't want to miss opportunity to pray for people. We do have prayer warriors, and we are going to introduce them soon so that everybody will know who they are. But uh, most of you may already know. We have people that dedicate themselves to praying and preparing their hearts to pray for you every Sunday morning when they seek God. So I'm thankful that they're, they're doing that. So if you'd like to have prayer for healing or anything in your life, please come forward. I'll pray with you. They'll pray with you. And we'll just, we'll just believe that God is going to move in your life today. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hello, this is Pastor Rob again. I pray you enjoyed this podcast. What a blessing it has been to have you join us on this social media platform. If you would like more information about Bethel, please check out our website at BethelChurch.community. You can also follow us on our Facebook page at Bethel Church, Tepper's Plains. Have a blessed day and remember, love never fails.